Welcome to this edition of the Million Dollar Mastermind Podcast. This is where we pick the brains of high achievers from all walks of life and get their hard-earned, real-world insights on winning. I'm your host, Larry Wydell. What was the first real shock that you got about the pay? The streets are not paved with with gold, and when you got into London, it was difficult to sell pictures. It wasn't that easy. You open your your store now. I wanted to add this. Not a a store, a gallery. Gallery, excuse me. As you open the the gallery and you're you're leading up to that with all this travel and fairs and everything, you're earning the right to follow your own instincts. You know what I'm saying? You said, I didn't know why I was interested in that, that style or that whatever. But when you put that much energy into it, you pretty much earn the right to, uh, you know, to follow your own instincts and pursue the things that you're most interested in. Would you agree with that? Would you have to just hold that thought for a minute? Because right. I think the sure. other thing I need to make, make uh, sort of understand, I'm now running not a family business. I'm running a public company. I think it was over 100 shareholders so I think the number was something like eight hundred thousand pounds, which you know, I'm talking, you know, thirty how many years? I've lost count of how many years ago it is now. That that <laughs> was a lot of that was a lot of money for you in your state. Yeah, uh, our our window is somewhere between five hundred and a million, and we raised eight hundred thousand. Three hundred thousand on that went on all the ex- setup expenses and the lawyers. By the time they dug their fist right. into it, and everybody. Right. Um, we were left with around £500,000 capital to spend. And that quickly dissipated because um, I was under an impetus to spend the money because um, the lawyers and everything, that there were certain strictures for these the new schemes. You couldn't just sit on the money, for example. You had to actively show that you were trading. So I was told to, you know, you must go out and buy stock, buy stock, buy stock. So I probably ended up buying things that I shouldn't do just because they wanted me to spend the money. And of course, soon you spent the money, it's we need to be selling now yeah, because right. we're going to run out of money. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually quite tricky. And, you know, and and I'd kind of bluffed and blustered my way, you know, in order to raise this money, I right. had to promote myself as something that at that point, I wasn't actually that person. Uh-huh. You know, I hadn't got the experience that I claimed to have got. You know, it was, it was, you know, it was a bit of a puff job. Uh-huh. So I had to then demonstrate that, or try to operate in the manner that, and to have the success rather that um, I intimated to everybody would happen. And there were one or two, you know, we had some very fortunate early successes. Um, but then, you know, we went through, you know, the business is very much like this um, all Up the time, still to today. Um, so you never know. Feast, when feast, or, feast or famine. It's always it's feast or famine. It's a feast or famine. Obviously, the big difference is, you know, with all the experience I've gained now, now 50 years in the art market, you just make sure you've still got a f- store covered to live yeah. on. It's kind of like the jewelry business in the sense that you, you see people sitting in there, nobody coming in, Absolutely. and you're just looking at the walls. And a lot of this is, you'll see that even at art fairs, nobody even comes. You go to an art fair, you go to all the effort that you talked about that you were there, and then you're sitting there for hours and nobody's comes by to even look at your stuff. 
But when you have a brick and mortar operation and uh, you have bills, the electricity, all of that, right. and day after day, nobody's coming in. But then, you know, it could be one big sale, you're good for the year, the pressure's off. It's a lot like commercial. They used to say commercial uh, real estate would be, you know, it's not like selling houses, you know, which is more steady. But even now the houses are, you know, $20 million in, in Aspen and uh, Palm Beach. But the uh, usually the house business is more smaller and steady. And then the big hits come in on the commercial sales, you know. So if you've got the stomach for it, you go into uh, the commercial uh, side of things. But that it's a lot like the jewelry business. It's a lot like uh, the art galleries. But you knew that, didn't you, when you you came in? Uh, yes. I should just go back to um, to the property market. As, uh, right. I had a dear, 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 um, now deceased uh, close friend of mine uh, who's a real character. And he used to have this joke. He'd, he'd say, well, I used to be in real estate. Now I'm just in a real estate. When you open your... How did you get sales early on? How did you find your clients? I mean, you know, I'm sure you did announcements coming to town, you know, big opening. And uh, I remember when we had a grand opening for one of our uh, galleries at uh, the first one. <laughs> and uh, of course, no sales the first night. And I said, why didn't somebody tell me there's no sales? Oh, what one of them said was that been to many of these, they said, I've never seen anyone sell anything on the, you know, the grand opening night. And I said, why, did, why didn't anybody tell me this? <laughs> I probably wouldn't have even gone. Why we, you know, focused on that particular right location the unit is still there today it was became a jeweler's and i'm not quite yeah. sure but i think it's about change hands again Albemarle street is a great cross street from piccadilly st james's and is was you, you're gonna get people dry it had a fabulous shop window which again i have today so you're always fishing for somebody who's never been in a gallery before who maybe never looked at these pictures before who may walk by drive by see something in the window or inside the gallery and go, oh my gosh, that looks interesting. And then subsequently comes in the gallery. And then once they're in the gallery, you know, you do your best to promote whatever it is that they've come in to see. And, you know, and you just try to therefore and then to establish some sort of relationship with them and and potentially they might might buy a picture. And indeed um only a year ago, almost exactly a couple had been for dinner at Wilton's, which is just two doors down, three doors down from us. Been out for dinner, walked by the win the gallery at night, uh, seen a picture in the window. The wife had liked it. They came in the following day and they bought that and another painting for half a million pounds. You find that a lot of your sales are walk-in? No, I wouldn't say a lot of sales are, but we do right. we do. It is important. The shop window, the location. I mean, that's it is a sad fact that many of my colleagues agree when I say this to them, that my gallery now is one of the very last grand old style gallery spaces with a shop front on the main street dealing in old masters left not only in London, but arguably in the world. I mean, you've seen what happened in New York. I mean, right. retail. Right. Ground floor retail has virtually disappeared. How long did it take you to go international? Or when you opened your 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 gallery, what was the first big sale you made? Well, the first big sale that we made, um, or invoice number one, was actually, uh, in truth, was made just prior to the opening of the gallery. It was actually to the Tate Gallery in London. 
one of my first um, veritable international clients was um, a man named Bruce Toll, who he and his wife happened to be drove by the gallery in their chauffeur-driven limo and saw this very beautiful um, portrait in the window. And uh, actually, I, re- I remember he um, when he came in the gallery to, um, to, to actually purchase the painting or agree a deal on the painting, he said to me, um, well, obviously, Mark, you know, I don't know you, but the word on the street is you're a good guy to do business with. And so uh, you have to wonder who he was talking to so you can <laughs> reciprocate. Now, how how long did it take you to get, uh, how long was it before Margaret Thatcher started buying portraiture from you? Just I'm just kidding. You say that, actually. Um we did sell a few years ago a a, port, a very early portrait of Henry VIII before he came the icon really? that we do today in the Holbein portraits, uh, which was bought for Ten Downing Street. Really, and actually got a picture hanging over here, which was also hanging. Uh, it was the property of Horace Walpole, uh, who was the then really? Prime Minister in the 18th century, and the painting hung in his in his wife's drawing room or dressing room in Tanzanian Street. Your first uh, location in London was not German Street, right? It was 1B Albemarle Street, which is was the first um, unit, retail unit, still is, as you as you turn into Albemarle Street on the right-hand side. And at that point, uh, in those days, in the mid-80s, there were many more galleries in London than there are today. Yeah. So there were... Um, two galleries directly opposite me and there was probably four galleries further up the street all of which i think virtually disappeared sadly today we were getting into how you got into the international market when you moved to london was that in the back of your mind of wanting to get absolutely. into the yeah absolutely now the whole yeah. point of moving to london you because when we were in essex right we were provincial dealers yeah and you know, our clientele really, we didn't really sell pictures to anybody who lived more than 100 miles away. Yeah. Now I'm selling pictures to people who live 10, 15, 20,000 miles away. Is that from the uh, London location or? Well, I think it's, it's obviously a combination of, of absolutely being in London. But uh, obviously by now it's it's as a result of the reputation of the gallery and uh, the quality of the portraiture and the importance of the portraiture that we we now sell have you been able to elevate the quality of the portraiture that you're selling as you've gone along and in fact i I was saying this just to my team um literally just a couple of days ago um i I said that 15 20 years ago and we moved into the current location about 20 years ago if we had one or two really great pictures in the gallery i'd say that was something and the rest of the other pictures though you know obviously i consider them to be a certain sound stock were not at that level in the gallery today we have probably at least a dozen paintings of of international importance and you're on german street fabulous street yes 
which end of German Street towards Piccadilly and or the no, river? Where, where the St James's ends. Oh, St James's. So, end. so we're opposite Turnbull and Asser, the famous. Uh, okay, I was going to ask you about them. Yeah. <laughs> and then you've got um, is it Davidoff's corner? And by the way, um, Schwarzenegger. Yeah, he was buying cigars um, just across the road the other day. Just so people, uh, y'all will know, listening, we were uh, Mark and I were talking before we started and I was nailing down his location of, on German street. And uh, I used to live at economist Plaza right near stone's throw. It's a noisy place at night, Mark. That's why I, I had to get out of there. It was, you know, I mentioned um, Sir John Harvey Jones, uh, right. who would have been my father-in-law had I not pulled out of a wedding, a wedding uh, four days beforehand uh, to his daughter, Gabby, um, not a great thing to have done. He actually was chair, the chairman of the Economist company. Really? Yeah. And you pulled out on his daughter? How did you expect to ever keep your doors open after that? Uh, yeah, he didn't speak to me for a year. <laughs> what what kind of things do you go through? What's the roller coaster like? Like you say, what have you, you said, if my father only knew what I'd had to go through to keep this gallery going and everything, what is the struggle? Because you know, one way you can look at it, Mark, is here I have paid such a price of traveling and, you know, 14 years or something doing these shows, doing the, you know, being on the road with the uh, the wagon and, uh, you know, beating the bushes and not being at home, living out of suitcases, basically. And so for years, you know, over a decade, and so I paid my dues. And so then I work my way in, I get a storefront. It's like, when is this ever going to end? But the truth of it, it never ends. If you want to play uh, in the big leagues, so you're in London, you've got a gallery, you've had some big sales. The Tate has bought uh, uh, right off the bat. You know, what What could be better as far as a kickoff? But still, you've got to keep your, your pedal to the metal, get up early, work hard, stay late, that type thing. You never reach a point where you can coast. I am somebody who works to live rather than lives to work. It's very important for my own psyche to actually be able to switch off and relax and to do the other things in my life that I enjoy. One of the ways that I've been also able to do that, um, obviously one has to bear in mind you have got to keep a business going and right. uh, is one of my, and I would say it's a skill set, uh, which has enabled me to get through um, some of the traumas that I've had to deal with um, in um, in my working life. I compartmentalize things so that when I go home in the evening, by and large, I'm able to switch off, watch television, listen to music. My great passion at the moment is cooking. So I love to cook, even if I've had a hard day um, in the gallery. I go home and I, from a standing start, I'll cook dinner. Now, my wife is trying to change that and that's a heart and allow, give her a bit more um, autonomy in the kitchen. So, in fact, she cooked me dinner last night, which was delicious. You know, part of this is also, um, I think, an element of my success. You know, I am admittedly a control freak. I'm very anal about detail. And, you know, I like things to be correct and right uh even the sort of smallest things will upset me if it's not quite right so now you can take that to uh to an extreme where you know you only end up you know with even more stress than you need right. so 
you've got you've got to learn to sort of balance that to some extent. And one of the things that I've been very fortunate um, over the last few years is the team that I have now working in the gallery. My wife worked with me. Uh, we got married late in life. Um, in fact, we'd only married just over 20 years, which more or less coincided with our occupation of this premises in German Street. So until a couple of years ago, my wife was our gallery manager. There aren't many people who would ever want to or ever successfully work with their wives so closely right. in such a narrow space. Yeah. Um, but we did establish a very good working relationship. And I freely admit that I wouldn't be or have had the success that we've had be where I am today if it wasn't for my wife, uh, who has been um, an absolute rock that I've been able to be the creative element that then gone out and does done all the right. magic. You know, I think any any successful entrepreneur uh, often needs that rock in which enable so he doesn't have to worry about the small things. Right. And I have through most of my working life worried also had to worry about the little things. Yeah. I've, as you know, we talked about earlier, you know, even when I moved to London, there would be moments where I nearly went bankrupt in the early nineties and I had to, I only had one member of staff had let them go. I had to sell my car was literally a paper's width away from being closed down. Thanks for listening to the million dollar mastermind. If you felt there were any valuable takeaways from this episode, please take a minute and leave us a five-star review. Your feedback is important and really helps us get the word out to a wider audience. Remember, we have a valuable webinar that is absolutely free. Register for it right now at whitealamwinning.com. Thanks for listening.